Jewish Money Matters episode 264, Launching Financial Grownups with Bubby Rebel. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters podcast. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, anyone who has an influence on a young adult or teenager, this one is a must. I have the author of Launching Financial Grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. Bobby Rebel. She's on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Bobby is a sought-after personal finance expert and certified financial planner. She worked as a global business news television anchor and personal finance columnist as at Thomson Reuters, also at CNBC, CNN, and PBS Nightly Business Report. Fun fact, I read Bobby's first book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, back maybe in back in maybe 2017, possibly around the same time that I started this podcast. And a time when I had been becoming a financial grown-up. I'd been taking my personal finance um, more seriously for a while. I'd made substantial changes and growth. And I vividly remember saying to myself, gosh, I wish I could have Bobby Rebel one day on my own podcast. Well, fast forward five years later, and here we are discussing Bobby's second book, Launching Financial Grownups, and why she felt the need to write a book directed at parents of teenagers and young adults. What can we do to help our teens transition into financial adulthood and independence? What about when our kids are actually financially savvy in areas where we might not be, areas where they might be skeptical of our more traditional advice and we might feel apprehensive of their riskier choices. What was her own upbringing around money like and what have been some of her own challenges as the mother of, well, teenagers and young adults? Here's the lovely and insightful Bobby Rebel. Bobby Rebel, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. I am so excited to be here and such a fan of the podcast. Thank you. And I've been a fan of yours for many years. And I'm so excited about this new book that just came out, Launching Financial Grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. It came out earlier this year. I feel like this book is perfect for me. Let me see. My two oldest are 16 and 14. So I'm right where at the point where I really need this book. Why don't you get us started by telling us why did you feel the need to write this book for this particular age group, teenagers, young adults? Because I was so lost. I had all the qualifications on paper, my friend, to teach my kids about money. And yet I was failing. And so what I did have was a network of experts that could help me. And so this was my excuse 
to go to them and not to say, oh, I'm clueless, but I could say, I feel like we could help some other people if we uh, came forward with some strategies and solutions to help our almost adults with uh, learning to be financial grownups. And I'm very lucky that it worked out. There really wasn't much out there. A lot of the experts I interviewed in the book, in fact, wrote books, but for either for parents of younger children or for the young adults themselves. But this book, I believe, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe is the first book that I've seen that's really for parents of young adults. And I want to stress that it's for parents because sometimes when I run into people, they say, I love the idea of your book. I'm going to buy it for my teenager. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, that's great. But the book is actually for you, not for your teenager. They're welcome to read it, of course, but it is very much for the parents of the older teenagers and the young 20 somethings. Of course, if need be, it can be for parents of 30 somethings too, but hopefully (laughs) we'll get to them before that. Yeah, it's true. I also noticed that there's some sort of gap and you've definitely come to fill that gap where there's a lot for, you know, teaching kids to found when they're younger. But I think some of us are past the lemonade stand stage and the clean my garage and I'll pay you some money stage. We got to get like, things are getting really real. And um, the way kids are growing up these days is it's quite different from the way we grew up. So there's a lot to unpack here. Let me just um, start off by asking you about like the parent child dynamic, Bobby, because I feel like there's a bit of a contradiction on what's going on. On the one hand, we say we want financially independent kids. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, we're, I, I want to say even more, much more so than our parents, we're so much more invested and involved and we want to cushion them and catch them. We, want, we don't want them to make mistakes. So something's got to give here. I wonder, what have you found about this dynamic? Which way do we go? You said it so well. We are so much more invested in our children than previous generations in terms of hands-on. I don't want to say that our parents were not invested in us, but if you're ever on TikTok or on Instagram Reels, you'll see there's all of these little videos of what was it like to grow up in the 80s and maybe the 90s. And, you know, they'll say things like the sunset was our time to go home. You know, outdoors was our playground. We had, we didn't have cell phones. We were not in touch with our parents constantly. We just we're growing up. I don't, I don't know how this happened, but right. we were home alone. We were just, I don't know. It's, we were so home weird alone. right now. We were it's home so alone. Weird. And we, it's so weird. We were home alone. And if you God forbid left your lunchbox, well, figure it out, kid, because right. nobody's coming to bring you lunch. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it just, and, and there's a lot of good that's come from more supervision because we do have a lot of, and I don't want to get into this, but a lot of societal things that were bad have gone down. Right. Um, and that's not my area of expertise, but there's a lot of bad stuff that was happening too that, that we don't have as much anymore. So there's a lot of good that's come of it. And there's a lot of good that's come from things like cell phones, because we do know where our kids are, or at least where our kids' phones are at all times. <laughs> and we do know um, how to get in touch with them. And that's also a blessing. It's really a wonderful thing that we can be so much more involved. And there's been a lot more societal support for both parents. um, If it's a two parent household, um, regardless of gender, Mm -hmm. that, that there's support rather than stigma of being involved in your kid's life. And this is all good. But unfortunately, there's also the downside in that because we invest so much, not only of our time, financial resources and so on into our kids, but also our identity, that really has a negative impact when we want them to become separate adults, when we want them to grow up and be much more independent than they are at whatever stage in life they are they are at. And so that can be very a very delicate balance and a very fine line. And I'd say a very blurry line as well, because we say 
that we want them to grow up, but our actions often speak louder than our words. Hmm. Yeah. So how can we, how can we as parents know when to step in and, and save, quote unquote, save our kids, you know, especially when we could, when we could afford a, a financial bailout, so to speak, or, or when should we let them deal with a crisis on their own? You know, it, it is a tough line there to navigate. So it is tricky when to step in and the line is very blurry. It depends on the child, on how serious the circumstances are. And of course, on your own situation, because that also should always be a factor. We do Mm. not, at least most parents do not have an endless supply of financial resources to help your children throughout their life. And they have to start to understand that. So back to who it is. Is this something that will have dire consequences forever? Is it going to ruin their credit forever? Or is it going to be something where they can work their way out of it? So, and what happens if you help them once? So the classic scenario is your kid goes to college and they bury themselves in credit card debt. Well, odds are it's probably not that much debt because hopefully the bank didn't give them that much credit. Mm -hmm. So you might want to say to them, okay, let me show you the numbers. This is what it's going to cost you and help them find a plan. Are they going to get a job? Do they have savings to pay it off? What's going to happen? You don't necessarily have to step in. If it is something where it's going to be a permanent circumstance and permanent mark for them, and you can help, maybe you consider it, but I would really lead with letting them figure it out and being a resource, teaching them to come to you for help in terms of strategies, but not for bailouts, Hmm. a balance. Yeah. But as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking, you know, teaching them to come to you for help. Very often, we haven't communicated even that message throughout the years that when we've raised them, like as they were home, like there, maybe there is that fear of talking to our kids about money, there hasn't been that open communication. And so to expect a young adult to now figure it out on their own, and when they get in a mess to come to you, it's almost unrealistic. That is so true. And that's why we as parents have to be proactive. That's why I wrote the book, because it is important, because these things are not going to happen just naturally. For example, a lot of us assume our young adults know more than they do, because they will tell us that they know more than they do, because they believe that they know more than they do. So it's really important to, for example, bring up a financial concept. Let's say they are taking on some student debt, right? You need to have them explain to you how the student debt works. How, when are they going to start paying it back? How much interest are they paying? Is the interest rate going to change? Are there forgiveness programs? Ask them to explain it to you um, if they say that they understand it to make sure that they really do. And take the time to make sure that you understand it as well and have those conversations out loud. Don't just check in and say, you know how it works, right? And they'll go, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. Because that's what you'll get. Yeah. And it's tricky because they want to be independent. And so they're going to tell you that they've got it. Right. And some may, but a lot of them think they do. Right. Uh, you know, I, you're making me think, I don't think I had those conversations with my parents. It's kind of scary, oh, actually. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I sometimes wish that my parents had been a lot more open. Um, how was how it by you growing up? Like, how was your upbringing around money? Such a good question. So I think that my upbringing with respect to money was much better than most in that 
my parents, and very importantly, my grandparents paid a, played a big role. And I want to say that the title of this, you know, we talk about parents in the title of my book. It is very much also for grandparents. There just was too nice. many words. So this is also very much for grandparents. Grandparents can play a very critical role. My grandparents on both sides of my family were very involved. One grandparent, for example, very generously, instead of just putting money into an account for me, he, at a certain age, I want to say when I was going to college, if I remember correctly, so late teens, he did tell me, I'm giving you this amount of money and I expect you, here's the conditions. You're going to invest it in the stock market. You're going to pick one or two stocks. He didn't want a mutual fund at that point because this, and I'm not saying people should do this, but this is what he decided. Right. He wanted me to pick stocks, individual stocks, because he wanted me to come to him with the story of why I chose that stock and to have that conversation. And he was going to let me do whatever I wanted, but I had to have the conversation. And he did, by the way, he did some years, he made suggestions. I really like this stock because of this reason. So it was a way to prompt a conversation for many young people. I do want to just say a mutual fund and ETF is often the better investment if you're just starting out. But in this exercise, that's was his Mm-hmm. MO. That was what he wanted to do. And I had another grandfather that was wonderful in teaching me perspective about the stock market. As we record this in the summer of 2022, stock market has not been kind to investors recently. Right. And he would say to me, well, every day is a great day to be an investor because if your stocks went up, well, you're worth more money. If the stocks went down, it's time to buy. Stocks are on sale right. every day. He was a very sunny disposition, very happy man. And he would just say, every day is a great day to be an investor. I love those stories. And I love that, you know, these were grandfathers talking to a woman, right? Because so often we, we find that a lot of these messages get transmitted to the boys, like naturally, and then somehow the girls get left out. So that's beautiful. That's really, yeah. And that's generational. I mean, I'm still my grandmother, this is not necessarily financially related, but my grandmother was always sad that she could not complete her education. And she was bought mitzvahed. Um, I forget the exact age, but I want to say late seventies, she Mm -hmm. was with a group of women and it was so meaningful to her that she finally had that equality. And I think that the Jewish religion has come so far in in its accept in its elevation of women as equals. And so um, I think that that's a really wonderful point that you made that our generation is really treated as equals when it comes or many people treat us as equals, not all, there's always room to grow. But I think that's been a wonderful thing as a Jewish woman to have that, to see how fortunate I am compared to my grandmother who really couldn't even get a credit card in her name, right. let alone a real job. For um, sure. Right. So it was, right. it was, it, it was tough. She did not have the opportunities that we had. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the conversations and we see two cool grandfathers who did amazing, you know, they, the way they spoke to you, but really what are some other tips that we can, you can give parents with in, in terms of the, the gap in communication and perhaps an ideology, because, you know, we might want to, we might want to talk about money, but we don't want it to be like the talk we're having the talk. Right. And, or, you know, and we might encounter a ton of eye rolls or get dismissed altogether because we might sound like we're imposing the old ways and, you know, there might be skepticism and kids know a lot today and they have access to a lot more than perhaps we don't, or they can take risks that we might be more cautious in taking. So how can we bridge the gap there in the communication and the ideology? I love this subject because it's so important to give our children confidence and let them know that we believe in them and that we think that they can do the things that they want to do. 
that really starts by listening to them and understanding you have four children. I have three understanding that each child is different, not only in their personality, abilities, goals, but also in just the kind of life that they want to lead. And we should not presume that they want the life that we chose. They might want Mm -hmm. completely different things. So it's important that we support that and that we really hear what they have to say, because that might impact the financial decisions that they make. One example might be in my family, which is a blended family. So I have a stepdaughter who's now 25, and I speak about her a lot in the book. She very much wanted to be an owner of an apartment, and mm-hmm. she wanted to have a lot of financial freedom where she could do what she wanted to, do to what she wanted to do in New York City, which is a very expensive city. And so she made a career choice early in in college that she was switching from a lower paying career to being a cybersecurity consultant where she's doing very well. She's already been promoted. We're very proud of her. And most importantly, she reached her financial goal of buying an apartment. And that meant for her, this is where it gets interesting though, that meant for her, her priority was not to max out a Roth IRA, even though I had been pushing her to do that. I push early in the book, you hear that I'm pushing Uh, both my stepdaughter and stepson to open up Roth IRAs because they have earned income. They were both working really hard. I said, the window can be short. Maybe you'll be earning too much to contribute to a Roth IRA at some point soon. So use it while you can. Well, she pushed back and said, I can open it and just have the shelf. But my priority is saving because I want to buy my own apartment and have my independence and my financial security of being a homeowner. Mm. And that's my priority. So I don't want my money tied up in a retirement vehicle. And I'm not going to put my money in the stock market because that's volatile and I understand risk. And I'm going to put it somewhere safe and build up to have my down payment. She still did her 401k match with her employer to get that free money. So there was a balance there. And so that slowed down her savings just a little bit, but she didn't go to the mat with saving for retirement because she had a much more short-term goal that was important to her. Kid number two, no desire anytime soon to own an apartment. He wanted to have a financial cushion because he wants to explore different kinds of careers, possibly in the film and TV industry. And so he doesn't know where he wants to live. So homeownership is not a top priority for him Mm -hmm. in the season of his life. So for him, it makes a lot of sense to put money into a Roth IRA because it's building up and he's at a very low tax bracket. And so that is something that he'll have for his future. So, and also I should say, as much as we push our kids to save in retirement accounts early, which is all good, after they max those out, teach them what a regular brokerage account is too. We get so fixated on all these, you know, 529s, 401ks, Roth IRAs, HSAs, and all these things. It's also really important to invest for the now and have money that you put aside, whether it's in savings or in a brokerage account that you could use at earlier stages in your life. Because once the money is locked up, you don't want to go there. You can get to it, but you're going to face penalties. And I don't want that for anyone listening. Right, right. Wow, I love those two examples. It's so true. Everybody has different priorities. And so it's it's very important that we as parents listen. So it's all about this communication. We we go back to this very key word. You know, it's funny, because I had a student who um, came to me, and she asked me, you know, my son tells he's in his 20s, my son and his friends are making tons of money on crypto. And you know, I'm so terrified. This is not something that we learn with you. And I said, sure, this is not something that I would say, you know, invest a ton of money in, you know, if you have play money, you could maybe allocate some, but perhaps for your son who is, has, doesn't have dependents, has very little to lose, you know, just don't, don't, don't negate what he's doing, you know, let's, right. 
I could not agree more. I think the lesson with things like crypto and NFTs and any other new emerging forms of investment is not to avoid them. It's to put them in the right perspective in terms of risk. So I see teaching kids about crypto, not about the crypto themselves, but about understanding their risk tolerance. And maybe we do have some kids that put too much money in cryptocurrency. You know what? This is a great time for them to learn what their actual risk tolerance is, because we all think our risk tolerance is very high in a bull market. Right. I myself have been caught off guard because we're all emotional, right? We see what's going on in the stock market. And I don't care how tough you think you are. You see those numbers and you may think, oh, intellectually, you understand it only matters the day you buy it and the day you sell it. But it matters. Mm -hmm. It gets very upsetting when you see a number that you think is yours, you have that money, and then it's suddenly worth 20% less. Right. It stings, right? And with crypto, this is a harsh lesson, but for many young people, they're so young, they have time to make up for it. And by the way, we don't know that it will not rebound. I have no idea. I don't own crypto myself because I don't understand it. But I think if somebody wants to buy crypto, that's their choice. And they should just be cognizant of how much of their portfolio they want to put at risk and understand the risks involved. And then they should do what they want. The truth is, we're often wrong. A lot of people took chances on many risky stocks that have paid off. Who's to say, but they have to understand the risk involved. Yeah. And also, you know, it's like, that's how you learn your lessons. I mean, I remember nobody, my parents didn't stop me, but I did put some money in dot coms that went really bust, you know, and yeah. um, I was young. I, exactly. I my what can I do? Exactly. Look, there's a reason there's, you know, age defined funds, target date funds, I should say. There's a reason because as we get older, we should be a little bit more conservative with our investments. But for young people, that is a great time to take the risks, but be smart about it. And what I really caution young people is to understand the source of the information. If the Mm. source of the information is Reddit or TikTok, you really want to get some more sources. Just like in school, they teach you to go to the primary source. We can do that. You know, people forget unless somebody has some inside information, the information about, let's say in the case of stocks, a a publicly traded company, all the information should be public for the most part, right? Unless they're under a quiet period or something's going on. You can go to that company's website and look at their SEC filings. You can look at their earnings report and go through it yourself. Teach yourself how to understand those because having been a member of the media, let me tell you, sometimes when those earnings reports come out, there's a headline number and then 10 minutes later, they read something in the middle that is what really matters. So you Mm -hmm. have to be very careful about understanding the information and going yourself. You're smart. Go to the primary source, read that earnings report yourself, ask for help if you need to, and understand what's really going on with the company before you invest in an individual stock. And of course, the same goes with mutual funds. You should understand what's in it. Of course, if it's an actively managed fund, you can't be on top of everything, but at least understand the objectives and always understand the costs when it comes to mutual funds as well. Right. And somebody might be listening to us, might be a parent, I might be thinking, well, I myself don't even understand these things. How do I, you know, how do I expect my kid? How do I teach my child, my teenager about this stuff when I've made so many mistakes? I'm not on top of my game. I could do so much better. You know, there's, there's again, there's like that shame. And so what, what could we tell parents to get past that and, um, get more open, I guess. Maybe that's the answer. Well, I I think you just solved your own problem. I think say get past that for your own sake and for your child's sake, be a little more transparent. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I just don't understand it that well. Let's look it up together. 
Yes. I like right? that. Right. Together. Why not do it right? together. And maybe, like I said, going back to the, explain it to me, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And also by being vulnerable, you're going to help your kids be more open to you because I know growing up, I thought my parents were perfect in every way. And I've since learned that while they were amazing and my father, my mother's gone now, unfortunately she passed, but my father remains amazing. And I have learned a lot from him, even when the, this book came out and he's in the book and he remembers stories, not always exactly as I remember them, which is always interesting, <laughs> but some things have come out where I understand that even though I always thought that he was this perfect overachieving wall street guy, the truth is not everything was always perfect. There was mm. always a lot of drama behind the scenes as is always the case. Right. And he had a magnificent career, but that doesn't mean that it was always perfect. And it doesn't mm. mean that he didn't have his own ups and downs. And my mother didn't have her own ups and downs. She was a lawyer. There were a lot of struggles and letting your kids see those struggles is such a gift to them at the, and let me just put this note of caution. That doesn't mean you would tell your seven-year-old that you're out of work or something crazy like that right. at the age appropriate level at the right amount of information. They don't have to know everything. They don't have to know it in real time, but it's okay to show some vulnerability when it's appropriate. And depending on your relationship with a child and the child's personality. You know, it's so interesting that this just came up in our conversation because just last night at dinner, we have three kids who are away in sleepaway camp and one who's here, my 14-year-old daughter. And I don't even know how this conversation came about. My daughter must have asked my, com my husband about a company that, that we own that we started years ago. He said, like, what? But she knows that he doesn't actively work on that company. She's like, what's happening with that company? Somehow my husband opened up and said, you know what? We should have sold that company at X point in time when we were having that, pro that issue with investors. I've come to, and she, he was explaining to her how, just so you know, when you come to a time when you and your investors are going through this and that, this would have been a great time to sell the company. Yeah, we own the company now, but really in hindsight, I should have sold. And I thought it was so beautiful how they engaged in that conversation. I was just observing this going on, you know, how he was becoming, yeah. more, I made a mistake. I, now I look back and I would have a couple million dollars right now in the bank had I sold. I mean, who knows what's going to be? He said, maybe I'll be able to sell that company, but I think it would have been a good time. And I let my ego, you know, get the better of me at that point. I thought that was incredible. That is incredible. It's right? such a gift to your child to share that because now when she's wanting to think maybe I should be an entrepreneur, she thinks of you as entrepreneurs and a resource to talk to and, and that she can go to you and have these questions and you're yeah. going to be able to solve them by learning from your, what you're saying, it was a mistake, right? Yeah. And a lot of us think our parents don't make mistakes. Yeah. I know I did. I still don't. <laughs> it's still really hard. I still think, oh, but you know, he was still so great. You know, it's, it's hard. Well, um, we revere our parents. So it, it yeah. is really hard. Yeah. Well, talking about mistakes, you did mention at the beginning of this interview that um, one of the reasons this book came about is because you found out that you needed help. There were some challenges there. Perhaps you can share with us what were some of those big challenges that came up with your young adult children that, um, yeah, can, can share with us. There were, there, there were, and there are still constant challenges in knowing where the balance is. So for example, what do you do when your child comes to you and says, I want this career that you know is going to be so hard for them, huh. right? What do you do? Do you really want to squash their dreams? No, but do you really want to support them indefinitely? 
No, no. And the re- and you don't want to support them indefinitely for so many reasons beyond the money. You want them to grow up and be self-sufficient. You, you want them to have the confidence that they can support themselves. And you also want to protect your own assets, to be quite honest. I, yeah. I spoke to so many parents that have kids in their late 20s and early 30s and said, I need that book because my 30 year old is still, I'm still, you know, paying for their phone bill. I'm still subsidizing them a few hundred bucks a month here and there. I still feel like they won't go on vacation unless I pay for it. They're not getting married because they don't feel they're financially independent. They're not moving on with the life stages that they want to. Not everyone mm-hmm. wants to get married and have kids, but if you want to, having a lack of confidence in yourself and your ability to support yourself and dependence really will hold you back from achieving goals that you choose. So that's really important. So I, you know, I just feel that it's really, we constantly have these, these yin yang things. And, and what do you do? For example, so I have a, he just turned 15. He's away at camp as well. And he came to me and he said, I want to be a YouTuber. So I said, okay. I said, well, you know, how do YouTubers make money? But here's the thing that was great. He had the answers. Ah. So I said, okay, you understand the economics. Okay. Next, tell me, how are you going to start doing this? And we started having a discussion and I personally think he'll get over this phase at some point soon. But the point is, I have these challenges and I think everyone does where you have kids that are passionate about doing something and have ideas in their head, but they haven't always sorted out the actual economics and they don't really understand the real world of what things actually cost. And here's the crazy thing. They really won't until they face it themselves. Yeah. An example of that is, and my stepdaughter tells this, my favorite part of the book is the epilogue. Mm-hmm. The epilogue to launching financial grownups was written by Ashley Kaufman, my stepdaughter, who's now 25 that I've been humble bragging about. Uh, and she, by the way, she's going to be um, a guest on my podcast coming up at some point, um, which is money tips for financial grownups. And she talks about the fact that when we moved her into Indiana university as a freshman, she and her dad just went off to, I think it was target or Walmart and they just loaded up the cart of everything she needed and moved her in. And part of that to defend us was that, we had a very limited amount of time. We were in a, we live in New York. So we were there in Indiana, short amount of time. You know, we're, we really, we went to a, a reasonably priced store, but we really weren't able to price check. When it came to her own apartment and she details this very well in the epilogue of the book there, she had an Excel spreadsheet with hundreds of items that she would need to fill an apartment. And people don't think, wow, I need hundreds of items to fill an apartment, but you really do. Okay. You, we don't think about it. as moms, we can say, no one really understands that the toilet paper does not magically appear mm-hmm. in the bathroom, nor does the tissues or the paper towels or the spatula that you use right. to flip the pancake that's in the pan. Somebody bought each one of those items. So Ashley added up, they had the spreadsheet of every item she would need, and it was hundreds. And she compared where she would buy it, each one, and figured out, you know, okay, I'm going to buy my pots and pans at this place, but the, you, the kitchen gadgets are better at this place. You know, each item which wow. one had a different price and she saved quite a bit of money by doing this. And she has the, the details are in, like I said, in the epilogue, but because it was her own money this time, right. It was worth it to literally go through and understand that, you know, the kitchen spatula was going to be cheaper at Walmart than at target that she wanted. And then she talks about the fact that she then used the money to buy a fancy espresso machine that she really wanted. So to some degree, you have to sit back and wait until it's real for them. And it won't Mm -hmm. be real for them until you let go.
we go on with this amazing interview, let me introduce you to a podcast that I think you might enjoy. I'm Khani, a labor and delivery nurse that has been taking care of new moms and babies for over eight years. I created the Happy Birthway podcast because through my work, I saw how powerful knowledge is. Informed mothers are more confident when it comes to making decisions about their care. They're less anxious. They feel more positive and empowered, even when their birth doesn't turn out how they expected. The Happy Birthway podcast is a space where myths are dispelled, experts drop their wisdom, mothers tell their birth stories, and we explore Judaism's influence on these experiences. Episodes feature a spectrum of views on birth, from highly medicalized to super holistic. And since they say it's good for your health, I make sure you get lots of laughs. If you believe that a healthy mother and baby is only the bare minimum, that mothers should also walk away happy and empowered from their births, then tune in weekly to take yours to the next level. So good. Letting them have the experience and even before they've left home, right? Because we're giving here the example of her now an adult with her own money. But this is why it's so critical to start early giving them their own money so that they can learn to make choices with money to understand the trade off. If I buy this, then I won't get that, right? You can do that even at young ages. I remember with my now he just turned 15. As I mentioned, before the pandemic, we would go. So he was 12 when the pandemic started. So let's say he was between 10 and 12. I would pick him up at school let's say it's three o'clock and he had 45 minutes before his, you know, next extracurricular activity, whether it was drums or fencing or what have you. And I would say to him, we have money for either a snack or a taxi, which one would you like? Mm -hmm. You know, if you get a snack, we're going to have to walk there and you're gonna have to hustle. But if we take a taxi, you'll have plenty of time. You'll get there early and you can hang out with your friends and I'll give you the phone. You can play with the phone a little bit and different days. He would choose different things, but understanding that the money is finite and you have to make choices. Even as a little boy, I think was really helpful to him to understand the value of money. And also when you have them pay for things, have them ask, how much is it? How much is the tax? And have them count out the change, have them pay either with money, you know, actual cash, or even with an app, there's nothing wrong with that. You have to meet them where they are. This is the world we live in. So I don't, for me, I think if, if cash works for somebody, that's fine. For me, I am a believer in, we have to live where we are now and where we are now is the world of Apple pay and digital payments and so on. And so there you can look, you can watch, you know, it will lay out exactly how, you know, what you're paying and you can go over it. And I think that's important too. I have, mm-hmm. he's on an app. I put money on the app and I know if that little boy goes to Dunkin' Donuts, he's not so little anymore, but I could see, <laughs> Oh, I see you were at Dunkin' Donuts today. Hmm. Right. Tell me about it, you know, right. so they, they can't get away with very much if, it, if it's all documented, which I think is a gift to parents as well, even though a lot of people miss the days of all cash. Yes, you know, that's such a good perspective. And it's making me think I'm about to send off I didn't tell you this before, but I'm about to send off my 14 year old to high school away out of state. So you know, we're going to be having a lot of these conversations. And you know, she's going to be having to manage her own money and decide when she's going to get ice cream or when she's going to go buy shampoo, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So one thing my dad did with us when we went to college, and I talk about this in the book. And it's interesting, because he 
did not remember doing this, but he was like, yeah, that was really smart of me. So what he did is once a year, once a year, my dad would bring us one by one. We would be told in advance that this was happening. One by one, we went to a study, which was like, you know, very important to have a one-on-one talk with our dad. You know, he's very, had a lot of authority and we really respected him and looked up to him and still do. And we would have to present what we needed for the upcoming semester of college mm-hmm. um, with why, you know, we had to sort of pitch him. And I don't remember him ever saying no to the number. But remember, as a kid, when you're pitching like this and presenting what you're going to need to spend, at least I, I think my siblings probably went the other way. They were a little smarter. I always underestimated because I felt terrible. It sounded like such a big number because you're planning for four or five months, right? Right. So we would have to tell him what we would need and why. And he would write one check. And I said to him, now that the book came out, I said, well, what would have happened if we, you know, didn't have enough money? He's like, well, I figured you guys would figure it out. You all had jobs all the time. So you would just make it up with your jobs. And we did. I, it was not, he never said to us, don't come back for more. Mm -hmm. But there was an understanding that the check was written and he was done. And that was it. And we did all have jobs. And that's if we ran short, which I always did because I always underestimated, then we had the job to make up the difference or we just did without you just muddle through. Yeah. Right. So, which is what you would do in adulthood. Wouldn't you? I mean, that's what you would do in adulthood. Certainly in previous generations. Now, as I said, many parents of older kids tell me the kids don't meddle through. They go to their parents mm-hmm. for help or they run into debt, which we don't want to do. Right. But that's why I always advocate get more income rather than build up debt. Don't, right. you know, instead of worrying so much about managing debt, really, you know, I hate the whole term side hustle because it's a second job and it can be exhausting. But the truth is, if you have to do it for a season of your life, it can make a lot of sense. I wrote my first book when I had a full-time job. And let me tell you, writing a book is a full-time job. Oh, yeah. Um, it really can be. So, I did that because this was something I wanted to be able to leave my corporate job so I could spend more time with my family. And it is hard, but it is something that everyone can do. You have to find the right thing, but it's well worth it rather than spiraling into debt. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that story. It makes me, it comforts me to hear that story from your dad, because I do the same thing with my 16 year old. He's already away. He's been away since he's 14. Um, and before every semester, he comes back home every three, four months for the high holidays and here and that, whatever we sit him down and he makes a list of how many dry cleaning runs he usually needs and how, you know, how much money he needs for everything. And we evaluate the number and we agree on a number and that's what we give him. And recently he wanted to buy something extra. He wanted two new books, whatever it was. He loves buying books and they were expensive books and he made his own money. He got a job and he made his own calculation. Shipping is going to be this. Okay. Be my guest. Yep. It's your money. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. And that's why it's so important that it go on their computer. I remember when uh, my stepson was uh, renting an apartment in college. It was uh, junior year of college and he had two roommates and so on. And I said, do you have renter's insurance? So that's number one is he would not have known to have renter's insurance, nor should he. He's a kid, right? How would he know? So number one is parents, just be proactive and look out for your kids. You know, think, what do they need that they may not know about? But also when we went to get it, we did it together. I Mm -hmm. did it on, I sat with him, but we used his computer and he pressed the keys. And it was, I'm sure, so annoying to him to have me sitting there with him but he muddled through and we were able to go through, we used the service and I talk about it more in the book, but they had little quadrants where you could see how they came up with a quote. So if the quote was $500, let's say a hundred of it was for um, giving you 
housing if your apartment couldn't be used. Like, let's say your apartment floods, they'll right. put you up in a hotel for up to, let's say, two weeks. And it was $100. And if you don't need that, you could take $100 off. Well, you know what? We live in New York City. He went to college in New York City. If something happened to that apartment, he did not need to stay in a hotel. He could come home and live in his childhood bedroom for two weeks. And so we took that off. But I have him toggle it off and him see the difference in the payment. He paid it. We did reimburse him for payments because he was in school and he didn't have a job at that time that we wanted him to take money out of to pay it. But everything went under his name. And so that's really important. And now I'm remembering he just graduated. I want to make sure he's, and he's about to move out of that apartment in two weeks. So now I need to remember to make sure we stop that renter's insurance. So again, I'm going to be proactive with him. I'm not going to just assume that he'll remember that. There's nothing wrong with having your kids back. Because yeah. we all are forgetful and it's not even that he would be forgetful. I just have no idea. He may have, I'm going to check in with him after this and he may have canceled it on his own and known, you know, to cancel it starting two weeks from now, but have your kids back, but don't tell them, don't do it for them. Right. Just tell right. them, make like, I'm going to make sure. So that's why you say what's happened to you. I'm living it. I'm living it right now. I have 25, right. 22 and 15. He just turned 15. Um, it's happening now. And so it's important to stay with it. Even when they're older, check in with your kids, make sure they're okay. Ask if there are things that they need. That doesn't mean you have to purchase it for them, but it does mean you should be there for them and help them figure out how to get to their goals. I love this because it's that, it's that balance that, that we are trying to achieve, you know, between being in, not that involved that we're rescuing them and, and, and cutting their wings that they're going to be incapable adults but not let them fall and crash altogether. Um, if we can avoid, if we can teach, it's just education, really. That's what it is. We're exactly. Educate them and absolutely help them. I mean, one thing I say in the book that's a little bit controversial is I talk about the fact that if you have connections that can help them, use your connections because yeah. life is really hard. You know, be mindful, be careful, make sure your child understands that these are your relationships and that he has to, he or she has to protect them. Make sure to tell them, write a thank you note. Did you write the thank you note? Can I see it? You know, be there for them, but don't do it for them. Don't write the thank you note, but make sure it gets written. It's okay to put, you know, your eyeballs on it, make sure it's written correctly. You know, there's nothing wrong with helping them with a cover letter, but have them write it. And then instead of fixing it word by word, and this is something I that's evolved with me is I don't want to go in and be rewriting it in the Google doc, put it in a Google doc. That's what I do. Instead say, are you sure you want to lead with what's important to you? Maybe you should lead with how you can help them. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Like right. just give them big idea feedback and then let them digest it and let them come back to you and guide them, but don't do everything for them. Yeah. Yeah. So good, Bobby. Congratulations on this book. I tell us where we can find. Well, first of all, tell us what's next. Is there another book in the work? What, what's next? You're so um, active in your career. I mean, I didn't brag about you yet, but I did in the introduction. Oh, you are such, you. I mean, you're a force in the personal finance space. I told you I was an admirer of you for many years. What's in the works for you? I know you have a podcast. I do have a podcast and actually the podcast is probably going to evolve a little bit in the fall. I want to be a little more investor focused. Okay. So we may, we may tweak the podcast a little bit because there is so much interest right now in different kinds of investments and how we invest and the different structures of investing. So I really want to focus more on investing. I do think there will be a third book, but probably not for a few years. Mm-hmm. I love my, I'm working on grownupgear.com, um, which everyone can use code grownup 
for 15% off their first order. But Grown Up Gear is a line of sort of adulting merch, which has funny sayings like, I can't believe you're the grown up either on baby wear, <laughs> things like that. Um, it's really fun. So I'm really enjoying getting into that business. And I have some stuff I'm working on that I can't talk about yet. But I do oh. have some big stuff coming for the fall of 2022. I can't believe we're in 2022 already. But yes, yeah, um, I have some exciting stuff to be revealed. So please follow me. Um, everything is on my website, which is just my name, bobbyrebell.com. I am newly on TikTok where I post a lot of clips of my interviews. Maybe we can post a clip of this there. Yes. And so that's and a lot of fun. So please help my TikTok because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing there. I and, was going to um, say, what do your kids yeah. say about that? <laughs> so, so this is interesting. So um, the older one that is a cybersecurity consultant is not happy about it, um, oh. which is a separate podcast, but she does, you know, watch our backs. So this is also important. Your kids can watch your backs too, but she is very good at reminding um, me to be careful um, in terms of, you know, keeping my data safe and secure and just being mindful of things like that. I am not an expert in that area. Um but yeah, I think they think it's good. I, you know, they're fit sports. The truth is it's also really important to get your kids permission to speak about them and yeah. always be positive. Everything I ever say about my children is always true, but it's also important to keep certain things private as well. Things that are important to them to keep private, to be respectful of them. But anyway, so social media all under my name, Bobby Rebel, B-O-B-B-I-R-E-B-E-L-L, except on Instagram, the number one is there. So please follow me, DM me, let me know how I can further help you. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. I'll be devouring this book and highlighting and putting post-its and keeping you posted on how launching financial grownups goes for me. <laughs> Wish me I think luck. you're doing great. I, I learned a lot from you. And this is definitely to be continued between the two of us. Yes, please come back. It would be so fun. It would be my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to Bobby Rebel for stopping by. Again, the book is Launching Financial Grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday money smart you can find it anywhere books are sold you can also find bobby at her highly acclaimed money tips for financial grown-ups podcast of course her website bobbyrebel.com where you'll be able to find her really fun grown-up gear and you can also follow her on pretty much every social media platform out there at bobby rebel i hope you enjoyed this episode be sure to leave a review and rating on the apple podcast app as that is the best way to help the show additionally i will be picking a reviewer of the week every friday and gifting you a 20 minute money set and hey, if you know another parent who might gain from this conversation that I just had with Bobby, click on that link on the app and share the link with them. I will, God willing, see you here Friday for another Ask Yael where I answer your questions. You can send those via email, yael at yaeltrush.com. You can DM me on Instagram at yaeltrush or you can WhatsApp the number 832-317-6778. Have a great week, ladies.